into the show, you can dial 323-870-4375. Again, that's 323-870-4375. Press 1 to join in, of course, if you would like to email us any questions, concerns, ideas for the show, you can email hst at ttlomedia.net. Again, that's hst at ttlo media.net again welcome to the healthy soul talk show with your girl your favorite therapist dr kimberly thomas come on in here like love and of course share this live because we're going to have an amazing conversation tonight this evening as on your ride home or if you're still at work or whatever you're doing just thank you for uh giving us your time right now and you can of course follow us on all social media platforms at healthy Healthy Soul Talk, all one word. And of course, follow the show in TTLO Media on uh, all outlets, iHeartRadio and Spotify. And of course, tune in on Mondays for Mission on Mondays, as well as Praise Break Friday coming up tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can catch all the previous shows on iHeartRadio and Spotify. Yes. Come on in. Is that y'all dinging over there? What? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm hearing I'm hearing phones. <laughs> well, welcome my producers. Come on in. What what's what's going on? How y'all feeling? I'm great. I'm great. How you about hanging you? in there? I am. I what's am. this the second week week of PD? Second PD week. Yes. Second week of PD. You surviving? Uh these are facts. Mm-hmm. These are facts. God he is good. Yeah, these are facts. Okay. Now you are you ready for the children? Um, make their 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 arrival at some point. Yes, I will be um, ready for children. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, yeah, I will be ready for uh, Warner Music Group. Okay, uh, and it's I am Joe Stone person. One more time. Uh, yeah, I, I I'll be ready for children. I'll be ready okay. whenever they get there. Yeah, I'll be ready. 
All right. Okay. Do you all have any, um, you know, I, I just really, uh, it's all, everybody has to wear masks, right? Yeah. That policy. Yes. Um, what are, what are what are you thinking are going to be some challenges with ensuring the kids comply with that 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 requirement? Like, is that like a, a specific you know focus for you all, or is there anything us as parents can do to you know make it easier for compliance? I don't know, because I my do- my my daughter's in summer camp, right, and so. When 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 she gets there, they give them the mask. And when I pick her up, all the kids still have them on. But you know, I don't know what goes on. You know, throughout the yeah, day. Yeah, it's so. it's going to be a our issue was during the hybrid was just making sure they kept them on the right way. The right way. Because they kept oh. at some point, you know, because they're in in the classroom, you know, the mask would end up down here, so the nose is uncovered. And yeah, a lot of times, you know, yeah. So when, it's, okay. when it came time to eat lunch, like our kids are eating lunch, in, they're eating lunch in the classroom. Okay. Yeah. And then we had to, and then even when the dining room is back up and running, we have staggered lunch times now so that they're not even eating. Literally, you're only going to eat lunch with your crew. All right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Well, you know, whatever our part is, right? Right. With this requirement and, you know, I have a high school or two, so it'd be interesting. Oh, yeah. Let's see what this is going to be. Facts. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how the uh the uh the, the rap game is gonna be in high school, right? When they trying to get get some dates and uh <laughs> <laughs> I really wanna see this. Oh, how God. is this gonna be? Oh, right? Because the stuff that used to go on in the hallways. That, it ain't gonna be happening no more. Yeah, that's a wrap. I don't know how that's gonna work. <laughs> yeah, you good? Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know how that's gonna work. Yes. All right. Well, keep you know, keep give us tips, right? <laughs> <laughs> because we have so much compassion for you all, right? That that work with our kids. So you you help us out, okay? It's a team effort. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> I just want to make it through the day mm. without the with this mask situation. Cause I already know it's going to be a mess. But you know, are you good with the mask? Like, I'm not a fan. Like when we're in the classroom now, yes, we don't we don't we don't keep ours on. But we well, okay, sitting this far away from each other, right? Me and the other adult in the classroom, yes. But yeah, but we have to in the bit when you leave the bit. Yeah, when you leave your room, yeah, they I want you to have it. You're like we're technically supposed to have it on the entire time. I'm not sitting up in there with that mask on the entire time. Plus, I got my shot now too. Don't say nothing to me. Yeah, he got the shot. Say nothing to me. Yeah. It's gonna okay. That's all I got. Okay. Miss Latanya, how are you? Because clearly, uh, the conversation was just shut down. Yes, yes, it was. But I'm well. You well? All right then. Shoot. Okay. Well, let's get to it. Y'all ready? I'm ready. ready. Here we go. You know how we do. We kick it off with Spiritual Connect Point here, you know, and and, uh, this is one of those. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when it came to my mind, I was just like, I have no answer. (laughs) Okay. Uh, 
because you know, and I'm I am going to sit back and absorb everything you have to say because this is how I concluded. Okay. This thought, right? Um. So here we go. You know, my question for Spiritual Connect Point is, what does it mean to say God has the final say? Mm-hmm. Right. And I know that that is scripture, right? Mm-hmm. But I hear it <clears throat> now, and mm-hmm. I've heard it growing up, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, God has the final say, right? Whether that's encouraging someone mm-hmm. or whether that's um, in response to someone doing wrong, mm-hmm. right? Um, you especially hear it a lot now with everything that's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. God has the final say. And up until this very point, I sat and I thought about what now? Mm. Um, when we say God has the final say, mm-hmm. what should we do thereafter? Um, if, if you tell me, let's just go with the pandemic, right? Okay. You know, a lot of people upset with rules, regulations, laws, right, ordinances, all that stuff, mm-hmm. um, all the discomfort, grief, right, continued loss, jobs, and a lot. And, and I hear this going around, God has the final say. What, what essentially should we take from that? Should that make us feel good, right? Mm-hmm. Should that, that soothe us? Should that comfort us? I, I just got stuck right there, right? Okay. I, I literally got stuck at when, when, first of all, how do I know that it's God's final say? Mm. Okay. Right, because for me, I, I guess I, I looked at that as that's a conclusion, mm-hmm. right? That's an outcome of something. And if it is so, how how do I, how should I act accordingly, right? Um, and I'm not I'm not being facetious or you know that's it's not rhetorical. It really is. As a Christian, mm-hmm. do do I begin to praise, right? Do I begin to worship? Mm-hmm. You know, how do I acknowledge what that final say is, if that makes sense? So mm-hmm. if you look at the pandemic, that's just an example. What am I looking for in that God has the final say? You understand what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. what's, what's the essence of that so that as we continue to say this, somebody understands what that means, mm-hmm. right, and how they should act accordingly, right, from a spiritual standpoint as well as life. You, you know what I'm saying? If I have to accept that this is God's plan, right, this is, you know, his design, I need to see that clearly so I understand how to move accordingly. Okay. Does that make sense? So so maybe I'm off with, you know, what I'm taking from it when it's said, mm-hmm. but to me that's that's a statement, right? That is a declaration. You, you understand what I'm saying? That's, that's a feeling of something. Mm-hmm. But it's a what now? I feel like it's a cliffhanger. I feel like, okay. Cliffhanger, I like that. Okay, so I'm going to shut up because no, no, you I'm just going to keep going in circles with that what now. <laughs> I, what, you know, recognizing when it's God's final say, period, it's over, this is it. And, and I mean that in the sense of if God is designing something to be a certain way mm-hmm. among um, mankind, mm-hmm. is that it? Or are we looking for something to end a certain... Does that make sense? Like, what are we looking for in this whole season? So, 
the question is, is the question is, is is a good one. Um, what does God what does does God have the final say mean? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and it comes from a di- couple of different scriptures. The one that sticks out um, uh, for me is, uh, is is Proverbs 16. Okay. Proverbs 16 simply says the preparation of the heart in a man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. Or if you read the contemporary version it says we humans make plans, but the Lord has the final word. Uh, or even if you went a little bit further and got the um, the Message Bible, uh, it's, it's pretty much says the same thing. The Lord has the final say. Um, here's where here is where I'll take us to where we where you're going, and then I'll take us back to what it actually what the meaning is. Got it. Okay. We don't because we are. Um, humans and God made us a little lower than the angels he, meaning he gave us free will now he made us lower than the angels we don't have, we're not we don't have the capability of doing what the angels do but we do have free will the angels do not they 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 the ones that did got kicked out they in hell the the ones that are remaining are strictly loyal got it and they are the ones who are crying holy 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 all day every day um we, on the other hand, choose to worship God because it's our it's our uh, it's a choice for us. Okay. So when we say that God has a plan for your life, now, meaning God has a plan for Kimberly when he met, when Kimberly's mama and daddy met, God already had a plan. Mm-hmm. Okay, and even if you get detoured. Even if you get off course, um, God's plan still is going to come to pass. So what that means simply means is that God has the final say. Now let's bring it, bring it, I'll bring it more current. So when you go through and somebody says, you're not going to be this or you're not going to do this, that's what they said. That's not what God said. So, so uh, you just look at the examples of people in the Bible that God used, um, you know, nobody wanted David to be king. He didn't fit the mold, but God had the final say, right? Nobody wanted uh, Moses to lead. The, Moses was not chosen. Moses didn't even want the job, but God had the final say. So it, it comes to a fact that whenever man does not, I, I'll, I'll use this. I was asked the other day um, what, what my uh, a quote that stuck out, me and I think I shared I don't know if I was on here when I shared that with you or whatever but I was asked at school what was a quote that sticks out for me that I carry with me all the time and it simply says never take a no from a person that didn't have the power to tell you yes in the first place mm. Say it one more time. never take a no never take a no from the from a person who did not have the power to tell you yes in the first place wow wow so Huh. When you think about that from a spiritual standpoint, mm. I don't care what you say. Mm. Mm. Because my God has the final word on what's going to happen with this life. Wow. So even wow. if you choose, even if your mission is to take it, yeah. God will say different. Because if God says Dana will live to be 89 years old and, and six months, it don't matter what you try to do to me at 60. Mm. 
because he has the final say. Okay. So, so, okay. um, okay. there was a, there was a prophet, I believe it was Hezekiah, King Hezekiah, asked for he, his time was up, and 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 he cried out to God, God, give me more time. And God granted his request because God said, okay, because your time is up. But however, I'll, because there's still work, there's still work that I can have you do. Mm-hmm. So that so we have to we have to learn to not be discouraged even in our short shortened seasons or short time because God does have the final say on all of our um on everything that 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 we uh that our lives encompass he allows he either allows uh, this my, my my statement that I like to keep is that he either allows or he ordains. He will allow you to get into a place, or he will ordain you to a place. Right. The places God allows you in, they may be temporary. Right. The things that he ordains last. So we have to remember. So so when God ordains something, uh, whatever it is, he has the final say on that on that particular matter. So even in sickness. And things like that. God has the final say on that. That's why, you know, doctors, you know, that's why we, it, it sounds cliche because you hear it in the church all the time. Whose report will you believe? You know, but that's the truth. Yeah. It's like, are you going to believe? Yeah, the doctor said I can't do nothing else. Okay, what do God say? Thank you, doc. We, we, you, we've done all we can do from a humanistic, uh, from a human, humanistic standpoint. Uh, we've done all we can do, but now we are going to, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going, I went to God already. And I'm using the people that God is planting in front of me. But now God has the final say, and God's and 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 the the word says that that He can do anything. So even when the doctor says no, or the banker says no, or the 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 job or the the hiring manager says no, God can still say yes. And and I guess I I love that because it also it puts in perspective mm-hmm. that it's not always what we think it may be, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so, and, th- and this is just the other side to that, right? Like, I've heard that used, you know, like you said, when people are sick and you're, you're encouraging a family, mm-hmm. and then the outcome, right, doesn't re- quite reflect, let me say quite reflect, mm-hmm. what was hoped for. Mm. And people are disappointed and hurt mm-hmm. because, and this is just me, right? I feel like we've used that always in the, in a way that this is going to be a, a favored or a joyous, happy outcome. Mm. You, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, and I've seen people be hurt the most, mm-hmm. right? On, on that, that, that statement, meaning, my faith is going to allow this person to live, right, beyond, right, mm-hmm. what the doctors are saying or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, for all practical purposes, be totally healed, right, and uh, back to themselves. And when it doesn't happen like that, mm-hmm. that's where I don't, I, I've, I don't really hear the rerounding of. Mm. How, how do you comfort a person when that happens? Right, because I guess I've never I've heard it on the testimonial side. Mm-hmm. Right, we hear it a lot in the testimonial side, but when it's not the favorite outcome, mm-hmm. 
I don't I don't hear it. So and and, and does that make sense? I don't no, 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 no. Like a no, no. You you this happens often. I mean, we've had people. You know, I'll use here at the church for example. Um, we've had a lot of people sick, uh, and we were doing some major praying, and we didn't get the outcome that we wanted. Mm-hmm. But see, you as you mature in your walk, you don't your faith responds either way to either a positive or what we may deem a negative outcome. So I trust God even when the outcome is not one I'm going to be happy about. So we have to learn how to trust God um, and respect his no. I like that. <laughs> we have to respect his no. I like that. Because yes. and, and, and for me, it came to a point where I had to respect his no because what else you going to do? Mm-hmm. What else you going to do? Yeah. So that's what it is. You have to, okay. you have, you have to learn how to respect, respect his no. And, 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 and you don't, you never want to tell a person who's grieving and, you know, uh, oh, who's grieving, um, you know, I'm gonna pray for your mama, but if it's God's will that she die, what? <laughs> you know, I'm gonna pray for your brother, but if it's God, you know, yeah. You know, you tell them you're gonna pray and you're gonna pray earnestly, right? But in that prayer, you pray for the strength of those people who yeah, will be left behind, amazing. that yeah. they would be, that their faith would sustain through God's will, whatever it turns out to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's where I kind of was with. Right. Okay. Is how how do you how do you get the same closure you have when it's a joyful mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. final say from God mm-hmm. versus you know the one that leaves us hurt right mm-hmm. stunned mm-hmm. shocked devastated mm. right and, and and that's hard right but I I just felt like you know how do we use how do we use it now. Right. Mm-hmm. In in everything that we're living through spiritually, how do we clearly define God has the final say when people are hurting every day? Mm. Right. How do we clearly make that, you know, um, that acceptance? Right. Mm-hmm. That faith perspective. Mm-hmm. Right. To say, OK. Was this is this a part of God's final say? Mm-hmm. Right. How we live out the rest of our days. You, you know what I'm saying? How do we reround to say, all right, we're hurting, right? But God is still making decisions. He's still carrying out his will for the way of the world. Mm-hmm. And that may include hurt, you know, and, and, and because we still have to come up out of, right? He's still using us as vessels, mm-hmm. right? So that's kind of where I was with that is, you know, do do we really know, um when it's God's final say of something, mm-hmm. you know, I think that was my conclusion. Like, do I really even know how, how I thank God for revealing the final say so, right, of this thing, right, mm-hmm. that He's shown me in my life that that's happened? You have to look at it from a standpoint of the things that you wanted that God said no about, but you really wanted a yes. And now you see what would have happened had you had mm-hmm. he allowed it. 
that's when you can say, thank God he had the final say. Thank God he used his wisdom and not mine. Right? So, so um, you know, even when we do silly, stupid, well, I shouldn't say silly, even when we do stupid stuff, um, it's, it's, that, it's that thing where you can say, um, you know, I, I thank God that, that, he, that his no overpowered my yes. And that's and that's yeah. the thing that 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 we need to get more familiar with was that his no out overpowered my yes. And then that what next? Like, what do you have for me? If that wasn't it, yeah, right. What now? Is that what is on other pages? Right. That's weird. Okay. Is it? Yeah. So we're gonna do this. We're going to. We got percolated. No, we're going to take a whole break. We're going to percolate, and then we're going to end up restarting. Okay. Because, yeah, without, yeah, and we'll restart it. Because, All right. All right, y'all. So, um, yeah, so we'll be yeah, back. It's only a handful of people. Well, I don't even see one. So, um, yeah, which is very weird. Okay. All we'll, right, y'all. We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll be back. Yep. Do, do, do. Let me do this. Oh, go back, go back, go back. Everybody should know that's how love goes. It's good for the soul. Oh, I got a long way to go, but it won't stop the pain. No, no. That's the kind of thing that keeps me coming back again and again.
All right, all right, we're back. We're back. Oh, I got this. A long way to go, but we got some things. I don't know if I want us to Right? That's okay. We're going to keep talking. Kind of and uh, it's going to read who it needs to read. Uh-huh. Foolishness. All right, y'all. Welcome back. You're tuning in live to the Healthy Souls Talk Show with your girl, your favorite therapist, Dr. Kimberly Thomas. Come on in here. Uh, we just had to work out a few things, but we are back. Um, Blog Talk Radio, thank you for, for listening. Thank you for hanging on in there. Um, and of course, we know that, you know, all this great technology, uh, sometimes you just got to work through the foolish. 
calm or patience. All right. We back. We good. Let's get it. Let's get it. All right. Um, so we, we, we were concluding, right? Uh, what does it mean to say God has the final say, right? And that is accepting, uh, you know, God's will for our life and, and, and yeah, I'll, having I'll, a relationship. I'll, right? re- I'll read his digest it for you. I know we had some people who probably missed it if they weren't able to, they didn't miss it on purpose, they weren't able to. Um, it's, it's just that we don't, um, again, I'll use the quote that I gave you. Don't, don't, don't take a no from somebody who didn't have the power to tell right. you yes in the first place. Um, God does have the final say. God is, um, he is the one, you know, as, as uh, we've, it's been said, you know, he's the author and finisher. Mm. So he created us with a beginning and an end date. Yes. And yes. we are allowed to live our lives but he is the one who um, who um, orchestrates um, or he puts us in position, I should say. Right, right. Because he's not going to – it's not like the Matrix. It's not one of those situations. Yeah. He puts us in position yes. To, to, yes. To, 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 to glorify and to do his will. Yes. And, and as long as we are in his will, we'll be okay. Yeah. And, not, you know, for me personally, mm-hmm. I've just – you know, as we conclude this year, throughout this whole thing, the social unrest, mm-hmm. the violence in our community, mm-hmm. the hurt, the pain, the devastation, the health crisis, the pandemic, mm-hmm. I, I found that I really have to keep keep in touch with God and asking, please reveal to me what I need to do next. Mm-hmm. Right? I don't I don't want to take on the whole world in its issues. <laughs> you know, because in the beginning of the pandemic, I was just like, okay, something. Something has to give, right? I can't, mm-hmm. I can't do this like this. And so I encourage you all to, to really see, even in the midst of all of this, your relationship with God matters so much. And you reaching out to say, God revealed to me, right, what my role, what my purpose is, mm-hmm. even in the midst of this. So I, I like the clear picture, right? I want a clear understanding, yeah. right, of even in the midst of all this evil, all this, you know, uh, uh, every man for himself, and this is across the world, mm-hmm. right? I still need God to to specifically speak to me, mm-hmm. and that's kind of where I've been at, right? That's mm. kind of the space, you know, that I've been in is really asking God to talk to me, right? So, so that I'm still walking in my purpose, right? Mm-hmm. That I'm still, you know, um, um, meeting. I'm still meeting, right? His expectations. Mm-hmm you know, of of what he's ordained me to do. So I, I just wanted to encourage somebody with that, right? God's final say, make it personal, right? Not because you can't predict what's going on in the world. It, and, I, and, and that's kind of, you know, where I, my conclusion was um, I, I blocked out people speaking to the magnitude of that, right? God mm-hmm. has the final say so about this pandemic. Mm-hmm. That's so broad right that's that's very generic you, you know what i'm saying to say because then i'm going to say well what did that really <laughs> i would i would i would suggest to you we did a show about this i don't even remember when about praying for clarity clarity ah i would suggest yeah. not to pray for clarity okay yeah okay. pray for trust oh yes <laughs> yeah i, I would <laughs> I would suggest. Come on here. I would suggest don't play, don't cause, cause see if if if, Come on. if I got to show it to you, then why are you gonna trust me? Ah, 
Wow. Where's your faith if I have to constantly show it to you? Wow. Okay. But can you, Come on. But, but can you believe my what I can you believe what's been being done? Yes. Can you believe me based on my track record? Can you believe mm. me on how I've carried you? So instead of praying for clarity, ah. pray for trust. Yeah. <sighs> oh, yeah. I feel like shouting right there. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna hold this together. I'm gonna hold this together. Yeah, don't play well, for clarity. Play, play, pray for trust. Pray for because you, you want you want you want to pray that God God give me the ability to trust you mm. even when I can't trace you. Yeah, yeah. So so I'm gonna mm. pray. I'm gonna pray for that God strengthen my trust. Okay. Before He opens my eyes. Yeah. 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 That's okay. It. That's okay. It. Now I'm done. <laughs> okay. We go. That's it. That's it. Shoot. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm done. Thank. Thank you so much. You're yes. Welcome. All right, y'all. Thank you for tuning in. You're tuning in live to the Healthy Soul Talk Show with your girl, your favorite therapist, Dr. Kimberly Thomas. We're back. Let's get to it. All right. So we we did our spiritual connect point. You know what's next? What's next is did you know? Now listen, I've been holding off on this. Did you know? Uh, uh, cause, cause I know this may be a discussion, um, but I found it interesting. <laughs> and, and, and so here is the, did you know women suffering from migraines have a higher sex drive? Hmm. <laughs> women, right. Suffering from migraines have a higher sex drive. And this is what it says, okay? There was an article published that says migraine headaches and sexual desire may be linked, okay? Um, uh, It says here, uh, Wake Forest University Baptist Medical Center uh, (laughs) created this um, this, uh, presentation here that says, contrary to popular cliché, not tonight. I have a headache. Uh, new research suggests that not all headache sufferers avoid sexual activity. In fact, migraine sufferers, migraine sufferers reported higher levels of sexual desire than those with other types of headaches, according to researchers from Wake Forest University School of Medicine and colleagues. Males reported levels of sexual desires that were 24% higher than females. Migraine sufferers reported levels of sexual desires that were 20% higher than those suffering from tension headaches. Females with migraines had levels of sexual desire similar to males who had tension headaches. So my question is, should you ask your spouse what kind of headache it is? Because would, would that change the the, the mood and, and can you, can you know? You give us the, I, I missed some of the headache. Could you give us the headache descriptions one more time? What's what? Please, I'm sorry. Help help me out. Help Those out. with migraine, uh-huh. migraine headaches, uh-huh. have higher sex drives than those with tension headaches. And it was just saying that um, females with migraines had higher levels of sexual desire, right? Um, than those who had tension headaches. Okay. 
So 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 the migraine to, the migraine want to get it in. Tension can't do nothing. Right, but it, and I guess it is it, it, going with that saying when you when you know when your spouse say, "I got a headache tonight." Right? Uh, is that what? We that's not necessarily ask, a no. Huh? Or, or is that a discussion like? Well, what kind of headache? Yeah. Huh? Tell you what you think. Because that is a female question that Dana really can't answer. But I feel, because, you, know, you know, I'm going somewhere with this, right, in terms of, like, we get into talking about what causes friction in relationships, mm-hmm. right? And, of course, this comes up, and first it starts out as a light conversation, but then we're like, okay, the frequency of, you know, you're always rejecting your spouse, right? And the number one reason is because I have a headache. Now, the study says that, okay, uh, if you're that spouse, uh, potentially, if you're that spouse who always say, uh, I have serious migraines and, and that doesn't put me in the mood to be intimate with my with my spouse, this this study say, you lie. I don't care. Okay. <laughs> All right. Hey, Malia, welcome. Good evening. I, I, interesting. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, y'all just left me out here in the ocean. That ain't the intent. I just, I, just I, I can't go with it. I mean, well, I've never had a headache. I mean, like, I mean, I had a headache. I never had a headache stop me from getting. You know what? Okay. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, I mean, I mean, so like, you know, it, now that that's out there, like, you know, so, I mean, I guess if I was a guy, so I'm looking like, so you good. <laughs> I guess a guy would be like, so, so you, so you, you, you ready? And you know, if you know, in the words of Danny King, I shouldn't have to pump and prime mm. you. That's the worship, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, where are we going? <laughs> Man, you are good to know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just quoting. I'm just quoting the doctor. <laughs> oh snap! Yo, okay. Wow. See. <laughs> Wow. There should be no coaxing at this point. As, I mean, I would just say that. Like, wow. If, if, if that's not a, if that's not the biggest green light I ever seen, like you know what is what shade did you, were you looking for? You know, I I I, I think that I, I you know this this particular we want to come with a fun fact, but also you know thinking right, like um being intimate right is a a requirement, right, for marriage. So so we've been kind of using excuses, right, to get out of it. And I felt like, wow, we, we didn't went into and probably we've been studying, right? But more studies are coming out about these excuses that we've, you know, used to say these physical, right, these physical ailments mm-hmm. have decreased sexual you know, desire, and it's like, no, not really. Is it a tension headache or a migraine? Right? Because if it's a migraine, you, you're supposed to be ready. <laughs> right? Really? Ready. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, so listen, I just, you know, ask, ask your spouse, right? You know, hey, you want to go to a doctor and see which one it is? Is it a tension headache or a migraine? 
Like, so we need clarity. It's going to be a woman's built-in excuse. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, that's, I, I guess you did. No, no, no. I'll say this. It, it could come off as insensitive. Mm. What's insensitive? Because if I ask, if, you, if because if you really do have a headache. For the fifth time this no, no, week. No, 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 hmm? no. I'm saying period. If you, if that, that's like saying my stomach hurt. Okay. How bad do your stomach hurt? Because when you say that, it's like, I'm because what I want you to know is I want some and I don't really care about your stomach hurt. Because that's what the person might hear. I'm, you know, okay, your, your head hurt, but do it hurt that bad? Can we do something? It's like, so now you don't care about my headache. That, that, it could come off that way. I don't know. Maybe I'm just overthinking it. I mean, you got to talk to somebody who has a headache. I'm, I, I'm, right now. Like, wow. <laughs> I'm not going for it. I mean. I think it's somebody out there, right, saying, what should I do if my spouse continuously have a headache? Take us to the headache clinic. Mm, the headache clinic. The Mayo Clinic, that's where we're going. No, there's, you know, I told you about the place. There's a headache. No, I know. No, 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 I know. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing. I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm not, dis- I'm not disagreeing. I'm yeah. just saying. It's like, what do you, you know, how do you, how do you get around that? I think, well, we're going to talk about that in October. Right? <laughs> Domestic violence month, that's for sure. <laughs> right? Because I know it, it's some, it's some, Folk who, who have some full-blown physical altercation when it comes to, to sex <laughs> and okay. the lack thereof. Hmm? All right, then. You ever ask somebody or a couple, like, hey, you all ever have arguments about sex? I'd be surprised how many couples said yes. Yeah. I don't know. I, like, couples have full, like, full-blown arguments? I oh, can see yeah. people. I can see people having a... a, a if if it, if it's, if it, there's a lack or if you feel like yeah I can see I can see it turning into an argument if it's not if there's not some constant communication, uh, but if it, if if you leave people to their own devices yeah it could get ugly oh yeah because yeah. it's I mean we're physical beings right and so clearly if you live with someone right mm-hmm. physically attracted to them yeah okay then I'm gonna leave that right there. So, you know, um, yeah, and, 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 and I, I think just being in this field, you know, certain questions we ask in general, right, so we can get the full picture, um, that's a hot topic, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. how, how, much, how much is one expected to endure, right, when it comes to not being intimate, you know, in your marriage? Like, it, it's, yeah. How do how do we not get tense, right? How do tempers not flare, mm-hmm. right? When we've been talking about you know hormones, right, in in our bodies and you know physical needs and desires, um, and that there's a conflict, mm-hmm. right? And so somebody needs some understanding, mm-hmm. right? And so now you know I, I think this this for me this whole you know did you know it's just really about opening those lines of communication. You know, if, if there is an issue, tension versus migraine, like, what do we do about that? Do we leave you as is? And, I, you know, I know you said, what do you do? But it's like, but if it affects other areas of, you know, the relationship, 
what do we do? Do we leave it there? You 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 you, know, you, 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 you tough one, no you can't you can't you can't not I, you you only cause more harm when you don't um when you don't address it right yeah and it's the how right it's not it's the how better. you know you can't say like for instance if 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 there's nothing going on mm-hmm. uh uh if there's nothing going on then physically then you can't come with, uh, hey, we haven't been having relations, and are you getting it from somewhere else? That can't ah, be the I opening see. part of the conversation. Correct. Yes. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, 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 mm-hmm. now, if if it's a situation where you're trying to get it, and the person is always exhausted, or they can't do this, or can't do that, then yeah, now it's like, well, what happened? Mm-hmm. Right, but those are real conversations that need to be had, and the problem is a lot of people don't have those very conversations. Vulnerable. Absolutely, yeah. very vulnerable, very vulnerable. Yeah, but it's coming up, y'all. <laughs> oh yes, it is. Oh, so, Lord. so think about that, right? Mm-hmm. You migraine sufferers. <laughs> and see, I feel some kind of I, way about I, that. I, I say it like this because I have headaches for real, so I feel I, some kind of way about that. I say it like this. Don't be pulling that falling down the stairs. <laughs> really. <laughs> You said headache sufferer. You conscious. Mm-hmm. We moving on. We right. are so moving on. Right. You said your head hurt. The one that I'm trying to get don't they ain't Ooh, did that ain't right. Oh my God. See, I'm just trying to see. I said that, that that's the insensitivity part. Don't <laughs> get these skippity paps. <laughs> Lord help us. Lord anyway. help us. All right, y'all. That's that. Did you know? Mm, did you? <laughs> <laughs> did you know? We know now. Let's talk about it. Shoot. All right, here we go. Uh, topic for this evening. You know, we kicked off this month. We're talking about psychotropic medications. Last week, we talked about antipsychotic medications and dealing with hallucinations and delusions. Uh, this week, I wanted to dive into um, talking about antidepressants and anti-anxiety medications, all right? Now, keep in mind, you all, you know, this is this is just for discussion, right? Definitely, um, as we, we talk about these things, I hope that, uh, well, it should um, uh, motivate you to go talk to your doctor, right, and, and follow the appropriate steps to getting the care that you need. And if you are taking psychotropic meds, antidepressants, or anti-anxiety meds, I hope that this sparks any questions um, that you've had that you also check in with your doctor, right, your psychiatric team. That's so important, Um, even when you're taking these meds, um, to update your doctors and never um, keep it to yourself. I'm an advocate for it. You know, if you are prescribed a regimen, right, don't leave your doctors in the dark about what you go through um, and, and because then other, that leads to other things, right? You're trying to cope a different way. So, so I do hope that this, this discussion this evening promotes you, provokes you, right, to, to really uh, get the answers you need with the appropriate um, level of care in, in the team that's needed. All right, here we go. So talking about uh, kicking it off with, with antidepressants, right? We know that antidepressants, Medications are used to treat depression. 
Now, uh, um, one of the things I wanted to point out is that um, your primary care doctor, right, can prescribe an antidepressant without you being diagnosed with major depressive disorder, you know, or any type of, um, you know, uh, mood disorder, post-traumatic stress, right, anxiety, social anxiety, um, you know, all of these these um, diagnoses of mental illness, these conditions, uh, we say that there's some level of depression that a person experiences. And so with that, we know that there are people being prescribed without having, right, a diagnosis. Wanted to clear that up. So so there is that such thing. And, and what I encourage people to do is, you know, if you have those feelings of depression, I, I know that primary care doctors can prescribe it, but I encourage you to go into psychiatry because there's another level of care. Uh, once we get to talking about these medications and finding the right medication, as well as doing the blood work that's needed to make sure, you know, other uh, organ systems of the body are not being impacted, that really comes with, right, that next level of care. So I really want people to understand, you know, um, um, follow up, right, follow up with um, the regimen, either if your primary care, if there's this area of specialty, or ask for that referral to psychiatric care. Now, let me just say there's a stigma in psychiatric care. You say the word psychiatric, psychiatry, people just like, I'm not crazy. You know, I ain't that bad. But it's like that is the level of care that that manages, right, (laughs) you know, um, our mental stability, right? And so understanding that let's let's dismantle this stigma associated with, yes, you you should do a follow-up with a psychiatrist. They are the medical doctors for our mental health, right, profession. You know, they they have to do certain things to ensure that your levels, the medication is appropriate. They're the ones, right, who have that level of expertise uh, with those questions that you have about how this medication is impacting your body. All right, so 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 let's not let's not put this dark cloud over the term psychiatrist and psychiatric care. Right, just like you go, uh, uh, you know, you all chime in here. What, what's that? Spe- cardiologist, right? Neurologist, right? Uh, uh, we know that they're kidney specialists. Every organ has a specialist, right? Your mental capacity, your mental stability, your brain has a specialist, right? And so understanding, you know, I just want to normalize, right? Normalize the level of care of psychiatry, okay? That's first and foremost, all right? Um, So that's that, right? Um, But antidepressants, right? Um, I just want to zone in on what we call SSRIs, right? Serotonin uh, re-up, you know. Reuptake, right? I'm gonna get that right one day. <laughs> uh, SSRIs, um, that's the um, classification, right, of drugs that are prescribed for um, anti-depressants. Uh, uh, and so, um, when you think about this, um, we're gonna get into what these medications do, how long it takes, right, and and how they help the balance, uh, the chemical balance in your brain, okay? Um, antidepressant medications can lead to improved moods, uh, concentration, 
uh, in sleep, but it takes a few weeks, right? Um, and often certain types of uh, symptoms or relief from those symptoms um, can take hours, okay, for these medications to fully work. And so I think that, you know, especially when, when primary care doctors are um, prescribing meds, they don't, they don't necessarily explain when a person should feel relief. So, so a lot of times we look at uh, uh, anti, uh, psychotropic meds like Tylenol, right? Like, okay, I should feel some relief, right, and within the next 30 minutes, right? And it doesn't work like that. Um, there is a, a system, there is a rhythm that your body has to, you know, adjust to for these medications to become consistent um, and, and align it, right, with your body and the chemicals um, in your brain um, so that it works effectively. And this also includes finding the right dosage, all right? And so we know that the, the most widely used or prescribed antidepressant um, is Prozac, Zoloft, Paxil, and Lexapro, right, and Selexa, okay? And Again, they have different dose levels. Now, I will say that depending on, um, especially if you go to your primary care doctor, they listen for the symptoms. I don't know, when you all go to the doctor, they give you this screening, right, uh, like a depression screening. Um, um, they go off those screenings and, and what you tell them, especially as it relates to if you are going through some things at work, um, depending on how severe you report your symptoms, that very well depends on their, their level of, of dosage, right? So they may do the low end or they may start you out at the high end, depending on how you report your symptoms. This is where that follow-up is critical because if the dosage is too low, you're not going to feel, right, any relief. And, and many people give up, right, at that point. Um, and, and now, you know, obviously their, their condition or the symptoms worsen. And then those who the symptoms are is too high, the dosage is too high, they feel like zombies, right? Or they feel like, okay, I'm just not really enjoying life. I'm, I feel a little bit better, right? But I still feel like blah, okay? And so some of the side effects from these antidepressants are uh, nausea and vomiting, weight gain, diarrhea, sexual problems, fatigue, agitation, drowsiness right, insomnia, nervousness, headaches, dry mouth, and increased sweating. So I got a question. Mm-hmm. Why does it take so long, like, you know, um, why does it take so long for the medicine to start working? And then, but the moment or day or two of not taking it, you can fall off so dramatically. So, so we know that... Um, with psychotropic meds, um, we because it's changing the chemicals, the, the the chemical balance, right? It's trying to align you. That takes time. You know how when you take a pain med, it goes straight to the pain. Those those uh, neurons and neurotransmitters, right? It goes to the pain, right? It, it goes right there. Right. With psychotropic meds, it's actually working on the balance, the chemical balance of your body. Okay. So I know I know you don't. Um do medication, yes. but uh, just your thoughts, because mm-hmm. I've, I've seen doctors, well, not not me, okay, no, no, okay. <laughs> working at thresholds and yeah. heart yeah. growth mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. everything, working at thresholds and heart growth, like, you know, I've seen them, you know, do it, give members the same medication in pill form, but also would give them an injection, 
what, what some medic, some some members would get the injection instead of the pill form. Is one does do you think one works better than the other? Well, now that depends on what they're injecting them with. Sometimes, like you know, sometimes for oh, we have one because um, if they, you know, we, for the psychosis, like ADHD, like one. Yeah, there's yeah, they're. Um, so is ADHD almost considered psychosis, or, no, or where would you? No, we okay. No. <laughs> um, I think so. In that capacity, there are there are medications, drugs, right, to uh, muscle relaxers. Right. We're, we're talking about calming right, certain mm-hmm. uh, parts of the body. Right. To mobilize them. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it's not necessarily because being their sleep. Mm-hmm. Right. Like they're, they're out of there. Right. right. So there are certain drugs that actually, for all practical purposes, tranquilize. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I mean, like I say this because I know they, um, you know, a four family member of mine, like, you know, like it takes so it, it took so long for it to build up. But as soon as he, as soon as he um, is off of it, it's like you know, it's like they scrambling. Yeah. So it's like your fault. You should yeah. have been had some medications on deck. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great debate, right? In terms of a person. Now we're dealing with you know uh, moderate to severe mental illness. So we mm-hmm. talked about the, the hallucinations, the delusions. So those drugs, those classification of drugs for antipsychotic. Um, those drugs typically stabilize, right? And a person will need to continue those meds, right, for their duration because it regulates, right, the functioning of their brain. When it comes to antidepressants and anti-anxiety, you have to be very careful, especially with anti-anxiety meds. Your body actually gets used to it, right, and then it no longer, right, works. So anti-anxiety meds are uh short term they're supposed to be short term and so we hear a lot of people with you know especially when they say i've been on this for for, for like three years four years and you and, and you know um it's getting worse and we have to take a look at that because anti-anxiety meds weren't meant to be a long-term regimen right remember it, it it's 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 finding chemical balance it's not a neurological defect right when it comes to anti-anxiety meds and antidepressants unless we found that there's something you know um dysfunction or deficient right in the brain itself but that's usually found early on right in life so so you're absolutely right when you say it does take a while it takes takes a couple of months actually yeah, I, to I get heard, regulated I mean, Medication. You have to now. You have to wait another four to six weeks. I mean, I heard four to six weeks. Now you said months. Like, wow. <laughs> four to six, four to eight. You know, they still you it's know a couple months. of months, it's right? A month, it's a month, it's a month and weeks. that's that's you know taking it regularly, right? That's actually you know making sure you take it you know at the same time every day. That's you know giving the feedback to your um, you know psychiatrist, right? Your primary care that that you're. So those side effects that we talked about, um, sometimes, you know, um, I've had, had clients where the side effects were so intense that, like, they cut the peel in half, right? And so now they've changed, right, the regimen. So it's like that's, that's not good because we don't know, you know, what your true uh, dosage should be because, you know, those, those uh, side effects, right, were too intense. So it's so critical um, when you say let's track how long it takes for you to feel relief, at minimum, right? We get, we we usually give eight weeks, about eight weeks. So that's two months 
to come back. And if you if you really, you know, into um, you know, what we're doing now, it's like people are being prescribed three month, ninety day medication regimen. Right. And that is to say, okay, we need to do this for this specified amount of time so we can see how your body truly adjusted. Did you eat right, right? Are you drinking your water? You know, sometimes we have to think about talk therapy along with this medication regimen because it may not be your body not producing, right, the serotonin or the necessary chemicals to regulate you. It may be something you're stressing out about. It may be something internal or external, right, that's causing you to feel um, this mood disturbance. Yeah. Um, because, you know, sometimes people say, well, I'm still depressed, and they're on the medication, and now, you know, we ask a, a million questions about what's going on in your life, and it's like some of your external things didn't change, right? So you're taking the medication, but you're still unhappy with your job, right? You dread getting up in the morning. Just the thought about going to this job, right, makes you depressed. Really, there is no medication that's going to make you happy. Right. So I like to, you know, explore that with people to say, okay, can we find whether there's internal or external, right? Primary causes to to why your mood is is shifting to into the depression or even with anxiety attacks, right? Because that's excessive worry, you know. And what what are you excessively worrying about? Okay. All right. So so it says here, you know, so yes. So we, we got into the medication taking a while, right, to work. And, and that's vitally important to understand that no psychotropic meds are not like the medications we take for, you know, um, heartburn, right, diabetes, that insulin shot, you know, uh, uh, it doesn't work like that, right? We need time for your body to adjust and get the right dosage, okay? Um, the side effects should be temporary. Right, some are temporary, but some, unfortunately, um, they're they're like the duration, right? Throughout the duration, um, as long as you take that medication, and that's why you hear a lot of people, or or a very a significant amount of people, saying that they were prescribed another medication to deal with the side effect of that antidepressant. So, if the um, um, uh, the more long term, like sexual problems, right? That's one of the the long term right, effects of uh, uh, antidepressants, then, you know, the doctor may prescribe something else, right, to to make sure that's intact. But the insomnia, the dizzy, dizziness, the nausea, we need that. That's more of the short term, right, the temporary effect. That's why I say more people need to communicate with their doctors um, for those other symptoms, fatigue, right, weight gain, diarrhea, you know, drowsiness, agitation, these are our are, are initial side effects that should subside, right? But it's important that you let your doctor know about these because they need to explore um, how to get those side effects um, minimized, right, or eliminated while you take this particular SSRI. Got it? All right. Uh, different medications um, suit different people. And, again, you know, this is where being open with your doctor, if there is a, a collaboration, we're going to get into some questions at the end um, when talking about whether or not you should take an antidepressant, right? Understand that you may be um, asked to take a different medication if those symptoms don't subside. You know, our bodies are different. 
So what worked for one person, that particular medication may not work for you, right? So you may work better with sertraline, which is Zoloft, right? Or, or the next person may do well with Prozac, okay? So really understanding, you know, I know we talk a lot among each other. We see a lot of commercials. We look at Google, right? Uh, we still need to take in consideration how the specific medication will impact your body, um, it, you know, personally, all right? Um, uh, um, understanding, too, it's important that you give yourself time uh, uh, to recover. What does that initially mean? Um, even when you start to feel better, right, um, there is a such thing as weaning off, right? We know that, as you just said, Tanya, like, okay, <laughs> sometimes, well, most times when you abruptly stop your medication because you start to feel better, those symptoms come back more intense, right? So really thinking about your body has just got aligned. It got balanced because there was this chemical. There was this, you know, uh, assistance that you had um, uh, in your body that helped you, right, maintain its uh, uh, emotional stability. So to abruptly stop, um, you know, that can be dangerous, right? That can be dangerous not just from your physical state of being, but also for your emotional uh, um, and mental state as well. And so um, we usually, right, we usually give about six to 12 months, right, to assess um, whether or not you should stop the medication. So so rarely will you get a doctor who say, I just want, you shouldn't get a doctor that says take these antidepressants for 30 days and then we'll think about whether or not you should continue, right? Minimum they're going to give you is usually between six six to 12 months. All right. What y'all think about that? I mean, okay. (laughs) It's just so many facets to medication and Mm -hmm. everything. So it's just like a lot to take in. Because like, you know, like you said, the side effects, like, is that where the, uh, what's that called? Tardia dyskinesia? Oh, from the psychotic, uh, anti-psychotic. Yeah. So. Yeah. Like, because like, now, now I think, isn't it spreading into the antidepressants as well? Those side effects weren't, those side effects were just for people with psychosis, and now it's like it's coming into. So, so I, I think what, what I want to put into that is the entire regimen, right? Because there are some individuals who are prescribed antipsychotic, antidepressants, and um, anti-anxiety meds simultaneously, mm-hmm. right? So I feel like uh, I like to say it's a cocktail, right, that we – I can't really say, you know, TD is what, you know, which one it stems from. Um, and that's that's kind of the, the challenge, right, is really, you know, which drug, under which circumstance, and what else is going on, right, in the person's body, right? But definitely for sure with the psychotic, antipsychotic meds, we do see uh, that particular – um, that particular side effect. Absolutely. Um, so the next thing, you know, we get into is knowing um, how these medications interact, right? And so, um, you know, we you have to understand when you're taking um, uh, multiple medications, please do your due diligence in, to see what happens when all of these drugs are in your body, Right? 
When you think about combining antidepressants with other medicines or illegal drugs, um, this uh, increases, right, the serotonin, and it can cause a serious reaction, right? Um, it can actually become a toxic, right, chemical in the body, uh, ser- serotonin toxicity, all right? And, and, you know, with that being said, I think about, um, and this is just, you know, where I am with it, when you consume um, marijuana, alcohol, antidepressant, anti-anxiety meds, that really is a dangerous combination, right? And there are some who don't, like for instance, right, if a person decides they're going to go out and have a good time, um, some will not take their meds, their, 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 their psychotropic meds that particular day, right? But some will. And understanding that your body is still mixing, right, all of those drugs together. So you have the ethanol, right, which is in the alcohol, and you have the THC, which is in the marijuana, okay, and then you have the serotonin, the SSRI, right, um, inhibitors in your body. And so it really, you really have to understand that um, there are some symptoms that can really, really be intensified when you mix all of these, these drugs together, even with pain meds. Okay, really, I I always tell people, if you're going to put substances in your body, do your due diligence to to at least get, right, what generally happens when a person takes all of these substances at the same time. Right, because you don't know, right? Um, And and, and so we have to be very, very careful uh, with that. And so when we think about that, one of the other things to look out for um, you know, when we talk about uh, when you're prescribed the antidepressant, um, a lot of times we, we say uh, try therapy along with it, right? Because when we think about mild depression, even mild to low moderate depression, we find that, that there may be some form of talk therapy, whether that's individual uh, family counseling, group counseling, that a person needs to really work through um, the root cause of uh, the change in the mood, the sadness, the you know lack of drive, the lack of motivation, right? That they have, and so there are certain modes of therapy that actually can, you know, um, well, all modes of therapy can help one get to the root. But when we talk about short-term or, or brief therapy, cognitive behavior therapy is the you know go-to choice for helping one figure out the root cause of um, their depression symptom as they're being regulated with the medication. Now, when it comes to severe depression, right, this is the one where uh, you're depleted. This is the one where you, you stop doing um, your, your bathing, your, 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 your hygiene, you're not getting out of bed, right, you're not eating, so you have excessive, right, drastic, significant um, weight loss, um, other organs in your body may be changing. You may be um, um, dehydrated. So then this is where we say, okay, more of the medication is needed to help stabilize you and then, right, incorporate um, another type of intervention. But sometimes, especially with severe depression, uh, we know that that should automatically be treated with an antidepressant. One of the other main side effects of major, um, uh, a major uh, issue with antidepressant medication is its suicide risk. <clears throat> and so we know here, because obviously there are many studies, 
that go on where antidepressants can make depression worse rather than better for some people, mm-hmm. leading to an increased risk of suicide, hostility, and even homicidal behavior, right? Um, this is, uh, we more so see it with children and young adults, but really anyone taking antidepressants uh, should be closely watched, all right? Um, it also says here monitoring is especially important if the person, if this is the person's first time on depression medication or if the dose has been recently changed. All right. And so I want you to, us to think about this because this is where you have to care for your loved ones. Right. You know, um, I think for me, I, I, I hear a lot of, right. You need to go get some medication for that. <laughs> right. You need to go get some medication for that. But what we don't do is, okay, you may have the medication, but is it making it worse or is it helping you, right? And instead of saying, are you taking your meds, right, we begin to accuse the person of not taking the meds because it looks like they're getting worse. And they're like, yes, I am, right? Well, it ain't working. I get asked about meds all the time. What do you get asked about meds for? I don't know. Ask her. Okay. <laughs> Are you hostile? I just get asked all the time. Do you take your medicine? <clears throat> anyway. Uh-uh. I ain't got no medicine. <laughs> I ain't got no medicine. You're not complying with your medication? I don't have any. Oh. That's well, that me. means you didn't need it. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to tell you. Okay. So she thought you did. <laughs> Y'all are funny. So, so listen, y'all are funny. <laughs> Signs that the medication is making things worse, worse, right? Includes increased anxiety, right? Uh, panic attacks, insomnia, hostility, restlessness, and extreme agitation. Got it? Mm-hmm. Extreme agitation. Um, particularly if the symptoms appear suddenly or rapidly deteriorate. Okay, um, if you spot the warning signs in yourself or a loved one, contact a doctor or a therapist immediately. Okay, listen to loved ones. It, it's not about, okay, uh, um, if they're still depressed and they're saying, you know, I don't know why I'm still here. You know, this life is hard. Don't just say keep taking your meds. Right, because they are taking their meds. And if that medication is not working for them and you're listening and you're continuously hearing and you're seeing, right, them change uh, for the worse, right, we need to get them some help, okay? So understanding, you know, be aware and be knowledgeable about the medication itself. It's not that, you know, you're not doing it right, we have to find what works for you. So we put these studies out here. We put this information out so you can be aware of how these medications impact your body, all right? And, and especially when it comes to uh, um, a friend or a family member contemplating suicide, right? Every, every statement, every gesture needs to be taken serious. Because mm-hmm. it says here the suicide risk is greatest during the first two months of antidepressant treatment. 
And this kind of goes into that 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 concept where you say, you know, I know they started their mess, they looked like they were doing okay, right? And either we have an attempt or we have an, a, a you know an actual um, completion of suicide. All right, so so we don't want to leave that person uh, alone. We don't want to just say, okay, they're good now, you got your medication, okay, great, uh, that's it. Right. We still want to check in to ask how they're doing and if they're OK. And even that and even encourage that person to talk to their doctor if they're feeling some type of way. And if you if you don't have anyone checking in on you, I encourage you to talk to your doctors yourself. Right. Uh, um, be an advocate for yourself if you, you feel these increase, these increased symptoms. All right. So those are the antidepressants. Right. The medication that's used. Right. To treat of the symptoms of depression, right? It treats the symptoms of depression. Mind you, we still need to figure out how you can um, eliminate those intense symptoms. Remember, we're dealing with a clinical diagnosis. I like to think that you've been clinically diagnosed with a mental health condition in order to be, be prescribed the medication. Now, now, you know, I may get some pushback for this, but so be it, all right? Um, be careful with requesting antidepressants for external stressors going on in your life. Mm. So you don't have an imbalance. You have a not a chemical imbalance. You got a, a physical, yes. external imbalance. Right. right. But you won't take a pill. Yes, to deal mm. with those people. Hmm. Right? To deal with those people. Not to deal with how your body Right, it's changing. Mm-hmm. Right, and and how um, you know, like I said, those serotonin levels. Because here's the thing, we found that especially in the pandemic, uh, vitamin D levels. Many many people had, and I was one that had a vitamin D deficiency. Right, and they did the blood work, and I promise you, I was so tired. Right, my bones were even aching. Right, mm. when, when when I would get up in the morning, and so they were like. <laughs> We need you to go on this regimen. Like it was uh, the highest dose of vitamin D, right? And 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 I felt right uh, physically. I felt a difference uh, with the vitamin D. Then I did feel more, you know, um, you know, less irritating and kind of more uh, stable emotionally because I was busy, right? And so so sitting in the house all day, I was not going outside getting fresh air, right? Everything was cut off you know, from the sunlight to, you know, just kind of what I was used to doing. So I say that to say, right, make sure that that there's nothing external that's driving your feelings of depression. Not You, you haven't been clinically diagnosed. I, I'm very careful, right, when I'm talking to people and they're like, do you think I should get on medication? And I haven't even done an assessment. Mm-hmm. Right, you're, you're sharing with me, and this is just not clients. These are just you know people who are you know just talking to me, and, and they're like, you know, I, I just feel so tired, or you know, lately, you know, I've just been sad. You know, I got all this stuff going on in my life. Right? You think I should go to the doctor to get some medication? And in my mind, I'm like, we take medications for diagnosed conditions, right? And so I encourage you to deal with your deal with your 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 stressors. First, right, look at how you're treating your body. You know, we've been talking a lot for the last few months about taking care of your body. Sometimes it's just getting back to your old routine or getting a new routine to alleviate these 
symptoms of depression. Mm. Right? Because when you get into medication, in essence, that's saying that my condition is debilitating. Okay? Debilitating is, is the key word when you say this is why I need a regimen for anti uh, um, antidepressants or anti-anxiety meds because I, I'm debilitating, right? I'm debilitated. I can't go to work. Matter of fact, I don't go to work. I can't regulate my emotions no matter where I am. It can't just be selective with people. Well, when I'm in my, my relationship, I'm a mess, right? But with you, when you're out with the crew, you okay. You know, so we, we just want to be careful with under the circumstances that we automatically say, I need medication for this versus looking at our lifestyle and assessing is it more internally my body and how it's physiologically, right, functioning, or is it something external which I need to, to work on, all right? Um, so that's that, right? So we kind of, you know, you, you may be saying, well, I, I was prescribed some of those medications that you listed uh, for anxiety, <laughs> Right, so we know that yes, there's uh, there's some SSRI antidepressants that are used for anxiety as well. So sometimes I do hear I'm like, okay, so we, what is the doctor prescribing this for? Is it for anxiety or depression? Because sometimes it's two two meds, right? And, mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, so uh, they're loading you up here, right, <laughs> with these medications to stabilize you. You need to understand which one is for which. So yes, there is a such thing as um, an SSRI antidepressant being prescribed for symptoms um, of anxiety. And so kind of going back with the abruptly stopping um, um, uh, um, these medications, um, I want to just point out here some things that kind of creep in that we don't associate with SSRI withdrawal. Um, This can not only uh, trigger um, symptoms of extreme depression and fatigue, but it also can um, trigger extreme um, anxiety, flu-like symptoms, mm. all right? Anxiety and flu-like symptoms, as well as irritability and insomnia, okay? So I just wanted to put that out there, like, you know, um, thinking about um, how, how one can withdraw from, you know, narcotics or illegal substances, there is a such thing as withdrawal, right? Symptoms from SSRIs, those antidepressants, okay? So we know that anti-anxiety meds um, are used to prevent anxiety and treat anxiety, Mm -hmm. okay, Uh, related to several types of anxiety disorder. Now, here's where I want to zone in on anti-anxiety meds. These drugs tend to work quickly and can be habit-forming. Because of this, they're usually only prescribed for short-term use, Okay. Um, the, the most known um, classification is benzodiapine, right, benzodiapine medications. And so this is, this is a heavy, um, how can I say this? These are street drugs, right, <laughs> mm. that are sold as well because of uh, actually one can feel drunk, right, or, uh, or a really intoxicated feeling, right, off of drugs, especially when it gets saturated into your bloodstream. Now, these particular meds, um, because they're quick acting, um, and I don't know if you all have ever heard someone who says, you know, I need to go take my my nerve pills, right, um, before I go into this meeting. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> well, I've been to black folks since 1890. Let me get my medicine. <laughs> I got my pressure up. Let me go, let me go to the car and get my medicine. <laughs> right. Anti-anxiety meds, right, can take effect within 30 to 60 minutes. Okay. And so um, they can lower symptoms of anxiety in a short period of time and prevent panic attacks. Okay. And so really getting into, you know, obviously uh, we need to get to the root cause of anxiety and panic attacks and the severe symptoms of um, anxiety uh, because obviously one, you know, we need to see why your body is responding in that way to where you need medical intervention, okay? And so when you think about anti-anxiety meds, again, uh, everyone reacts differently to these medications, all right? Um, Each person metabolizes medication differently. Okay, because it can react uh, with certain foods and drinks. All right. Um, For some, anxiety medications work well. For others, symptoms are reduced but remain. Others still may find that anxiety medications actually make them more anxious. It's a matter of trial and error to find the right medication and dosage um, for you. Okay, and so when you when you think about that, right, and, and um, how what are the side effects, right, of benzodiapines, uh, which we look at um, these medications such as Xanax, right, clonopine, um, you know, these are um, the common, right, the commonly prescribed, and it's kind of similar when you talk about the side effects of this: drowsiness, dizziness, poor balance, coordination, slurred speech. Right, trouble concentrating, mint, memory problems, confusion, upset stomach, headache, blurred vision. Okay, so when you think about that, right, these are the symptoms that come with that. But also, we know that people, um, you know, they get a certain—I don't want to say high—but there's a certain thing euphoria that comes with um, taking these meds. Um, and you know, Xanax is the the most common street drug, right? Really. Um, yeah. And I'm talking um six, seven, eight at a time. Mm. Ooh. You know, people have overdosed and uh, unfortunately it's been fatal, right? With with Xanax. Wow. This is how, you know, addictive, right? Um, these medications can be. And they're very popular. Right, they're very popular on the street. Benzodiapines. These, you know, this is one of the the, the drugs um, when we do our quick drops. Um, that has to be on the panel of drugs that we we test for. Right, because it's the most commonly abused drug as well. All right. Um, so, with that being said, right back to the medication. Right, it's good for short term solution for anxiety. Okay, and so again, pairing it up with CBT, cognitive behavior therapy, um, it has been found to work better for long-term help from anxiety. So I really encourage people, right? I understand like sometimes you, you need to be balanced. You need to have some symptoms that are eliminated or minimized so you can sit, right, and talk about the issues uh, that you're having or experiencing in your body just or just in your your world, 
right? Um, and just really uh, going there and saying, hey, I'm ready to talk about that stuff that I've built up. I'm ready to, you know, really process how I got to this place. And sometimes it's trauma, right? We do a lot of trauma work and, you know, a lot of people are unhappy uh, with, with some of the things that are going on in their world and it's causing excessive worry, sleepless nights, you're not eating. And all of this kind of plays a factor, right? If, if you're not, if you're stressed out, your body is not physically okay, right? You, you, you are uh, not getting the nutrients you need. Um, you're not sleeping. So now you are tired because your body is not getting a proper rest. Yes, it flares up right? Your body flares up. So I know that there are times where your body needs to be physically addressed in order for you to sit, talk, and take the appropriate, you know, treatment goals to address uh, the root cause of why this anxiety keeps playing. We all experience anxiety, would you say? Like Absolutely. We, you know, it's, there's, I, I can't say you won't ever, right, <laughs> have feelings of anxiety. It's how you manage it. Hmm. Right. It's how you manage it. And again, taking medication, especially anti-anxiety meds, without having a proper diagnosis does not give you the blueprint that you need to address the issue. Right. So so if you have generalized anxiety disorder, if you have, you know, social anxiety, if you have phobias. Right. I remember that month we talked about phobias. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a serious thing. So you need to know what condition am I working with that is causing these extreme feelings of anxiety. You have to know what's going on. So I, I, I know we don't like the label, we don't like to stigmatize, but I look at diagnosis as a blueprint, right? Because with the diagnosis comes a criteria. You met the criteria, mm -hmm. right, for this specific condition. Therein lies, okay, what is the appropriate treatment plan? So I encourage you, right, go beyond your primary care prescribing the meds to say, I need to understand what's going on with me. If I have a condition, just like, you know, uh, a heart disease, high blood pressure, right, all, uh, every organ, right, has the potential to acquire a condition. Okay, so so take your mental health just as that, right? There are certain conditions that you can have even in the mental capacity that you need to know the blueprint for so you can know how to appropriately treat yourself both short and long term, okay? Don't take that for granted, not knowing what condition, right? What condition is supporting or perpetuating these intense debilitating right, debilitating symptoms of anxiety, okay? Let's keep going here. Anti-anxiety uh, anti medications may limit your other activities, all right? You can catch a DUI for driving, right, under the influence of benzodiazepines. Why? Because they clearly say may cause drowsiness, do not operate heavy machinery. Hmm. Seen it? <laughs> Help people, right, get the license back. Right? Say, okay, what happened? Right? When they tested you, you know, they didn't they didn't smell alcohol, they didn't smell the weed, but they looking at you like something's off. You're drowsy, you got lack of energy, you acting confused, impaired thinking, your judgment is off, right? You got blurred vision because you don't see how many fingers I'm putting up, right? In this uh uh what they call that um roast the roadside test, right? The hmm. field sobriety test, you failed all of them. Mm -hmm. Right. 
And that is because, right, you were not supposed to be operating heavy machinery, right, with some of these uh, uh, psychotropic medications, okay? You may have problems at work, even when it comes if you're in school, because you may feel sleepy or groggy, all right? So, again, understanding what am I getting into, right, if I decide to incorporate a, a regimen, right, to address my, my anxiety, okay? Anxiety medications may build up in your system. Anxiety meds metabolizes slowly. So if you're taking benzodiapines on a daily basis, the amount of medication in your system can build up. You run the risk of being over-medicated. Mm-hmm. If this happens, you may feel as if you're drunk and others may think you're drunk. Got it? What you trying to do? You laughing a little hard. Why you laughing like that? I was looking at you. Yeah, but why you laughing? Somebody others may think you're drunk and you start <laughs> snickling and getting on. Everybody real tickled in here, huh? You probably tickled underneath. You stay tickled. What? Okay, I'm going to keep it. I'm just going to keep now talking. Mind my business. Because <laughs> he thinks he thinks I'm tickled. You what? He thinks I'm laughing at him. He oh, me the antipsychotic medication. Mm, we back on. <laughs> oh my goodness! Anti-anxiety meds can worsen symptoms, right? In a few cases that we have studied, okay. And so it has this opposite effect, making them more nervous or anxious. Okay, they may become more irritable. And some patients, like with antidepressants, become aggressive or hostile. Some may even hallucinate or experience periods of mania, right? And we know that that is where they are just kind of up um, in this grandiose heightened sense of being, right, for a prolonged period period of time, okay? Um, so looking at that, right, listening to that, we know that with anti-anxiety meds, um, should not be taken if you're pregnant. And that is because um, anti-anxiety meds can cross the placenta and reach the growing fetus. The baby can become dependent on these drugs and experience withdrawal symptoms after birth. All right? Because of this risk, anti-anxiety uh, medication should be avoided when pregnant. Okay? The risk of addiction to benzos, as they call them, um, this is why um, it, it, it's it's really advised to do a short-term solution to this um, because of its uh, risk of addiction properties. And so, as I say, this is one of the um, most abused and, uh, for all practical purposes, addictive drugs um, on the street, all right? And so you will need to be weaned off this particular medication when you are under the, the appropriate supervision of your doctor to what watch those withdrawal symptoms. You know, I think about this and many people mistake symptoms for withdrawal symptoms of the condition for the withdrawal, right? And then they don't want to go through withdrawal, so hence they they take more than they should. This is why it's so important to be under doctor's care um, when you're taking this particular medication to understand what you're actually working with, right? Is it, is, it, is it that I'm feeling this condition come back 
or is this my body now adjusting to, right, the reduced or the elimination of the drug itself, all right? And so you want to be understanding of, because guess what? It's temporary, right? Withdrawal symptoms is temporary, but it can also consume you. and It can also make you feel as though um, you're back in that initial state of being that, that you were in, okay? Um, so um, understanding that anti-anxiety meds lose their therapeutic value over time because your body um, gets used to that specific dosage. That's why we really say, you know, make sure you understand the level of care that's appropriate for you to get to the root cause of this condition, right? Because once your body gets used to that dosage, you've been on it for a prolonged period of time, and I hear this, we're back at the doctor, and they just increase the dose, right? We just, we just can't keep going up because at the end of the day, it's just your body getting used to this particular dosage level, and now it's like, okay, I don't feel it. What, what I, I don't feel the way I used to feel, mm-hmm. right? But I'm also not addressing the condition either, right? I'm just addressing my physical symptoms of anxiety. Therefore, we just go up and up. Now we're changing, man. And I, I it, it just, it just makes breaks my heart when I hear people, you know, they've been on anti-anxiety meds for like five, six, seven years. And they're just cycling through the medications, right? Wow. Going up and down on the meds because really they've not taken the time to say, what is my condition? And am I, what other ways am I addressing my condition, right? Has to be where, okay, am I trying to get, get, get rid of, right, this condition? Not mm-hmm. never feeling anxiety again, but no, getting rid of the condition. How am I addressing the condition, Right, that's intensifying these symptoms, and, and that's where it breaks my heart when when I have people and I ask the question, "How long you been on these meds?" and it goes, it surpasses, right, three years. I've been on this since I was sixteen, and I'm so there's thirty four now. There, there is a, a there's there should be an endpoint. Absolutely, unless unless you've gone to a neurologist, right? Mm-hmm. Unless you've gone to you know a Unless you've gone to specialists to say your body can't produce the necessary chemicals, mm-hmm. right, to regulate you as a standalone, mm-hmm. right? No, it's short term, right? Because now wow. your body is getting immune to mm. this drug, and now you need it. You need it to function. Does that make sense? So yeah. it's like yeah. you know that that and, and oh, when when I got my teenagers, right, being prescribed meds, many pediatricians are like, no, I don't like this, right? Mm-hmm. I applaud those who say, I ain't down with this, but, you know, mom's saying this, school saying that, right? We're going to talk about those childhood disorders in September. But really looking at that kid could be on, on psychotropic meds from age 16 endlessly because we've told them they need, quote, unquote, medication mm-hmm. to be regulated, to be stabilized. When it's like, so when are, we, when are we going to address the condition and determine whether it's external factors, right, or physiological or biological chemical imbalance? Who, who's going to look into that, mm. right? Who's going, to, who's going to do the legwork to say, hey, you have, you know, a, 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 this condition, right, where your body, right, not because your teacher said or your family says or you always, get, you know, losing your anger, sometimes external Right, external 
factors are the driving force behind somebody starting psychotropic meds at the age of 16 mm-hmm. and now they're 27, right? Now they're 34 thinking that, oh, this is the only way I could be cool is if I'm on medication. Mm. Right? And it's like, wow. And guess what? They still have issues. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, they still have relationship issues. They still have challenges maintaining employment because they get frustrated easy. You know, I'm hearing all these things and it's like, but where, where was where was the level of care <laughs> right back then that was supposed to guide you into, okay, right. this is life. Right. Right. This is what life consists of. How do you see some other ways you can manage, right, through these life obstacles? Right. So I feel like, you know, what what warrants is just please make sure, right, that you get every level of care that's accessible to you to address these conditions. Okay. Um, All right. So we know that benzos, right, business diapenes, right, there's a safety concern because there's a dependency and then there's a withdrawal, right, that can take place when you abruptly uh, stop and or there's this prolonged continued use, uh, continued use of it. Benzodiapines can also worsen cases of pre-existing depression, okay? And more recent studies suggest that they may potentially lead to treatment-resistant depression, okay? And this is where I see the cocktail. This is where I see the, okay, don't take this, take that, right? But, but you know, you have to advocate for yourself. I push, I push even if you just go for two to three sessions, right, to see a therapist, you need to understand, right, what what's consuming you cognitively, what's consuming you mentally, what's consuming you emotionally, because then nobody teaches you how to deal with your emotions. Like, I'm pretty sure all of us were taught, like, okay, you know, when you're out, if somebody makes you angry, right, mm-hmm. you know, try this, right? Or, dude, I know you, you advise the kids a lot, right? Mm-hmm. And, the same way with adults, right? You, it shouldn't just stop while you're in school, learn how to behave. No, <laughs> while you're an adult, right? Learn how to control your emotion. But that comes with making sure you have the appropriate, you know, person that you can you can talk that out with, okay? Um, when you abruptly stop taking benzos, some of the severe withdrawal symptoms you can is restlessness and shaking. All right, stomach pain, panic attacks, confusion, pounding heart, sweating, and in severe cases, seizures. Wow. All right, and as I say, many people mistake withdrawal symptoms for a return of their original condition, making them think that they need to restart the medication. <laughs> right? So what you thinking about? Uh. Oh no, I think I think it's 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 um I don't know, it's kind of a double edged sword because you got mm. you got people who they know they need the medication but they're taking it reluctantly or they purposely don't take it the right way. Yeah. Or no, I'll say this they they they'll they they won't take it and and try to force mentally make themselves better when they don't have the chemicals to do so. Right. Right. And then right. They will they will unfortunately not be honest. I mean, one place you have to be honest is with your doctor. And yeah. telling the doctor that it's not working but you're not really taking it. Mhm. 
you know, mm-hmm. only to end up what getting a stronger dose. Yes. Yes. That's yes. a problem. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And that, that's why um, I think these collaborative services are. Mm-hmm. I, I, let me just say, I know many physicians, primary care doctors, who are advocating, right? Talking mm-hmm. to you know those specialists, right? Advocating, but I also know that because some have had their same primary care doctor for years, right? It may just be this rhythm, right? This relationship that they have, mm-hmm. right? That we're just going to continue, right? Um, your medication regimen, because we've just been doing it these, you know, all this time, but not really. Okay, let's dive into why this hasn't subsided for you, mm. right? Why why hasn't this this symptom or of course, they can't give a condition, right, because there's a, you know, a pretty lengthy evaluation, right, that goes into uh, figuring out that condition. Yeah, so that navigation of it is, let's just kind of filter through, right, filter through that, okay? Um, and so I want to kind of, you know, um, kind of give this last bit here um, with, with the anti-anxiety meds, um, kind of like... Um, the connection between benzos and accidents, right? And so I, I push that because there, there is, there are many people that are being prescribed anti-anxiety uh, meds and they really need to understand um, the danger, right? Mm-hmm. That they can put themselves in. Um, when, when they mix the drugs, right? We know that, that especially with anti-anxiety meds, um, you cannot drink, hmm. right? Because benzos mixed with alcohol can lead to fatal overdose. Hmm. Right? And this is where you hear that compromise, right? As that person saying, well, I know I want to have a good time tonight, so I'm not going to take my meds. Hmm. Right? So so what if, what, if, what, what if you have a few good nights? Right? of having a good time and you don't take those anti-anxiety meds like you should, we're going to have some issues, right? Because you can't take, you can't take anti-anxiety meds while you're drinking. Right. Right. So, so we have an issue, right? You, with you feeling those, what withdrawal symptoms Mm. in addition to, right. (laughs) That mood change that you have with the alcohol that you consume. Okay. But the combination of alcohol and benzos can be fatal. Right? Don't mix painkillers or sleeping pills with benzos. Okay? Uh, taking benzos with prescribed pain and sleeping pills can also lead to fatal overdose. Taking what with sleeping pills? Uh, prescribed pain oh, meds. Oh, with sleeping pills. Or sleeping pills. That's a, that's a with much. benzos. Okay. Can lead to a fatal overdose. All right. Um, antihistamines um, found in many over-the-counter sleep, cold, and allergy meds mm-hmm. are sedating on their own. Be cautious when mixing with benzos to avoid over-sedation. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you trans, you know, out of there, Okay. So, so really, right, being cautious with that, right, 
um, there is a such thing as you, you can, um, your body can go in toxicity, all right, um, with these, these combination of drugs, all right? So I want to close out with this, right? Questions to ask yourself or a mental health professional as it relates to should you um, get a psychotropic medication, right? Is medication the best option for your condition or problem? Are you willing to put up with unpleasant side effects, right, in return for relief of anxiety or depression? What non-drug treatments might help these symptoms? Do you have the time and are you willing to pursue non-drug treatment, such as cognitive behavior therapy or some other form, right, of um, therapeutic approach? What are the self-help strategies that might help you get your anxiety or depression under control? And if you decide to take anti-anxiety medications or antidepressants, should you pursue other as well? All right. Questions to ask your doctor. How would a medication help your anxiety or depression? What are the drug's common side effects? Are there any food and or drinks I would need to avoid? How will this drug interact with other prescriptions? How long will I have to take this medication? And will withdrawing from the medication be difficult? Mm. It's almost like you need to interview this drug, right? Yeah, you have to do your research. You You know, know, you need to ask those questions and be clear. If I have all these other medical conditions, I'm taking all these other uh, medications. Mm -hmm. Is it safe for me to take these antidepressants or these anti-anxiety medications? All right. So understand, have I actually exhausted all options, right, for getting to the root cause of this condition or whatever the issues are before I, right, engage mm-hmm. in taking a regimen that's going to require my full attention of how I take care of myself. All right? So that's where we leave this at, okay, is to, to, to I like to say, if you're going to get prescribed any psychotropic medication, understand your condition. Don't just take it for a symptom. Mm. Right? Because that symptom could be caused by something external, right, of which your body is responding to. All right? So so please understand that just like you get diagnosed on the uh, medical, the physical medical conditions, Please apply that same concept, that same mindset to your mental stability. Get assessed. Ask those questions. A therapist or a psychologist or a psychiatrist, we ask a different set of questions, right, to help you um, um, get to where you need to be and understanding what's going on with your body, but also understanding where did it start. You know, how long have I not been sleeping? How long have I been sad? Did something happen in my life, right, that, that, that made this turn that I didn't recognize and now I've just kind of been navigating life trying to live with, right? Mm-hmm. Now it has exacerbated itself. We need, we need that starting point. We need to understand the how you got to this place, right? We know sometimes with diabetes, if a person changes their diet, what happens? 
medication is reduced and or eliminated. Right? So give give your mental health the same chance that you would give, right, your physical health if you were on the same type of path to deal with heart disease, right, high blood pressure. We cut out salt. We do this, that, and the other. Give a pork. Whatever it is that you said, I don't want to take this med, right, I want to do, I want to change my lifestyle. Apply that to the same, right, apply that the same way to your mental stability and your emotional stability. Get the level of care that you need. All right? There we go. So we finished this out, right, August. Next week, uh, I'm going to Jamaica. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah, we're not doing nothing next week. <laughs> we're going to Jamaica. Me and the fam. Is we? Is we? The Yo, fam. We are going. It's about time, right? <sighs> That's nice. Y'all what part of Jamaica y'all going to? Don't even know. My daughter hooked it up. Oh, I, wait. You're I, taking I, it. And just, everybody everybody, everybody oh, going. Oh, so y'all going to like, uh, it's probably like um, someplace in. you going to say something. You know I don't know. Okay. I'll tell point. you when I come back. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So so we're, we're out of here. Uh, yeah. That was a long time in the making. So there we, we go. It. Have fun. I know, right? Yeah. And be safe. I know. That's the other thing. Like, you know, we still going. She's like, well, we didn't pay for it. I was like, oh, okay. Right. Traveling. There we go. So we back. We'll be back in September. Right, kicking it off with uh talking about childhood disorders. Oh, that's what we're coming back with, huh? Mm. <laughs> All right. Find right. origins of Tina's problem. Ooh. <laughs> all right, all right. Kenny, I've got a few myself, so I know. Find the start gate was to me. I have no childhood disorder. You know, we have. I, you know, I'm gonna look into adult ADHD and ADD. Right, I'm gonna do do my due diligence. Uh-huh. But it's hot, very, but it's very hot true. right now. Uh, yeah, we we just stole it from right the childhood disorder. You know. We used to say it needed to be um, diagnosed before a certain age, mm-hmm. and now mm. we have said yes. Right? There's a such thing as adult ADHD. It is. Well, you know, we'll talk about that. And it's okay. All right, y'all. Have a good one. <laughs> we out of here. Mm. <laughs> Enjoy the rest of your week. Tune in tomorrow for Praise Break Friday. And uh, definitely enjoy your weekend. And I'll see y'all in a couple of weeks. Yeah. All right. And everybody should know that's how love goes. It's good for the soul. Oh, I got.